0: This is Cult Scenes, K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight,
1: Joe Palmer,
2: and Tamar Herman.
0: And on this episode, we're discussing the career and disbandment of Star Guys, it occurred to me, you know, this is... A week as we're recording this, where BTS has just released an album and won another Billboard Music Award, and there's a Cube debuted a new girl group. The Unit Idol Reboot Project has debuted, and because this is K-pop Unmuted, of course, we're discussing the disbandment of a mid-level girl group, so... (laughs) I think it's great that we just kind of stay on brand.
1: I mean, I've seen nothing about them except articles saying they've disbanded, so someone needs to remember them. I think
2: I actually have a comment about the being on brand versus doing something relevant. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, like, yeah, you guys talk about mid-level girl groups all the time, but but at the same time, Fiesta is not just like about Fiesta; like, they're about a whole part of the industry, and honestly, their whole label. Like if you're not IU and you're under their label, like you're screwed. So yeah. so I think it's kind of they're kind of more representative of a bigger part of the industry that I don't think people really focus on. Rather than like, yeah, okay, of course it's K pop unmuted, so we have to focus <laughs> on a mid tier girl group.
0: It is an interesting situation, Lowen and for one thing you don't have the YouTube count on your channel and then the YouTube count on one the K, right? When you're mm-hmm. When you're in Lowen.
2: yeah, I think it's called Cacao now or something. Right. Like I think Cacao bought them, but yeah. whatever it is, Cacao Cacao M, right for music. Yeah, but like I don't know. When you look at their label, like who else? Had, like Sunny Hill failed, History failed, they failed. Like why can this label not manage anyone except Ayu?
0: Would you want to give us an introduction to Fiesta
2: tomorrow? So Fiesta started in like 2012 and they came from a background that was pretty good not only were they under Loan Entertainment which is you know a big major company in Korea they were label mates with like IU and Sunny Hill and they they had a lot of pre-debut stuff going on so like Chow Lu had been popular in China been popular through a tv show contest and jay had appeared in a few music videos including infinite's paradise Lindsay had like trained under yg entertainment and like they had even produced a song with called sea of moonlight with iu before they they debuted and they also did a song with tiger jk before they debuted and then like people were really excited about them they won a bunch of rookie of the year awards in 2012 after they debuted and then like, this is going to sound terrible, but aside from, like, Chow Lu and Yeji getting popular on um, on Pretty Rap Star, nothing ever really came about, like, after their first year. Like, you know, most K-pop groups kind of, like, sometimes they get attention as a rookie, and then they either go really high up, and then they eventually disband, or they kind of, like, you don't really hear from them, and then they hopefully have their big break, or they never, nothing ever happens to them. Fiesta Star, like, they did... Kind of ridiculously well in their first year. Like I was reading how, like while Gangnam Style was on the K-pop Hot 100, so was Fiesta's first song with IU. Like they've been on Billboard charts. Like they've done really well for themselves. And then aside from a few members making names for themselves, like that was pretty much it until May fifteenth when they disbanded.
0: Yeah, I've joked before about groups peaking before their debut, but I think that Fiesta are literally. Their peak was before their debut with that IU song.
2: I like some of their songs, though, more than that. That was kind of like... A, oh, I, I, don't, I just
0: mean chart-wise and uh, popular, not, not their actual music, yeah. Right. Yeah,
2: so sad for them.
0: Yeah. Well, I've followed Fiestar pretty closely for a while. One of the reasons is that Cheska, a former member, is a Southern girl. I think she may have been born in Georgia, but I, I can't remember, but she grew up in Georgia and Tennessee and... Alabama. And I always thought that was cool. And so I followed her career. And it always occurred to me, you know, even before it was clear whether Fiesta was going to make it or not, they were sort of my representative girl group of a group that had all the ingredients to be successful, and that were struggling. And I thought it would be interesting to see whether they would ever make it. Because, you know, the entertainment industry, there's a lot of luck and happenstance and so on. But as you were saying, I think, Tamar, they had a a strong company behind them. They had solid vocals,
2: their vocals are so impressive. Yeah. And, like, they have Yeji, who is, like, pretty popular as a rapper on her own. And, and Chavalu became popular right, for just being a variety. So, like, they had everything going for them except... Right. except They've popular. got the American,
0: they've got the Chinese, so they got the international appeal and the language is covered.
2: I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know. These aren't K-pop wannabes. These are people who actually could be k-pop stars and you know like from their first song Vista it was a fun music video I just watched it a few minutes ago again and like it was a fun music video it had JYJ's uh, Jun Junsu in it it had a kind of plot that reminds me of Wonder Girls' "Is Tell Me instead of you know just one person being like a superhero like they have all them dressing up as superheroes and like had superpowers and stuff it reminded me of EXO's superpowers kind of which is also 2012 so I was like oh was this like a theme that was going on in the industry at the time? And I was actually thinking, you know, it has a lot of like orchestral instrumentals, which is also what History, who is also under their label, their first song was also kind of like that. And IU also does that. Like the, it, it, it should have worked. I don't know. I think this does really good, and I think just they were really good, and it just kind of sucks that they had to call it quits because I don't know, nobody cared.
1: <laughs> Me looking back on why it all didn't work for most groups like go back right to their debut and like look at it and like maybe pick out where they could have gone from there and what went wrong and like you said like their debut was like stacked in favor of them like two great tracks with one with tiger jk one with iu and their solo or their debut single like blisteringly amazing but i think the 2012 that year is a a big thing for them because that was sort of if you look back on groups debuts per year that's sort of Year zero for like the or- oversaturation of the market. You know, you have EXO, BAP, AOA, EXID, New East, Ajax, like a lot of other groups who took time yeah. <laughs> to get going and a lot of who just started amazing right from there.
2: I like that you included Ajax in that list.
1: Well, <laughs> I think they're important because they debuted with DSP, you know, and I remember there were the ones I was following, well, not following, but like I was aware of before they debuted and then they went absolutely nowhere. So there are another sort of Um, victim of this like oversaturated market which is just starting to happen and so I think for a lot of those groups that two or three comebacks after your debut are super important and for me that's where Fiesta lost it with their two follow-ups to Vista which were songs that have a lot of interesting things but they're just seemingly no audience and just kind of really cheap sounding compared to Vista and then the ones that would follow and a small aside that could have been interesting is Wicked style, you know, the reggaeton, very lots of hip hop. Like if they had kept that sort of sound, you know, internationally, I think they would have been really big, you know, everyone wants the group like this these days and they could, they could do it really well. And so it's interesting that they never went back to that considering there's definitely a market there for it.
0: Yeah. I wonder if they're, initial concept had anything to do with it if you look at the videos they emphasize that they're fun and energetic you know fiesta they're gonna be stars and they're i don't know if that's really a concept like you could do a song where you're upbeat having a fiesta energetic and you can be an upbeat energetic girl group i don't know if that's a, a concept
1: yeah and it felt as well that they had like different concepts for different groups of them so like he nearly almost got a, a part where it was like hard hip-hop and then there's like lighter, brighter part, parts for Jay and Chow and then like the big ballady type things. You know, I think We Don't Stop is sort of like a perfect um, sort of point for that because like there's three distinct parts and they each suit someone else so there's this sort of yeah, disjointed concept which I don't think is 100% necessary for a successful group but especially in a time, you know, 2012, crayon Pop as well, did well eventually out of there, you know, and they had very obvious and successful concept.
2: When you were talking before, I thought it was interesting how you mentioned EXID, whose career could have been Fiesta's, I think, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like, they were two groups from 2012 that I think people had their eyes on, and then, like, they kind of fizzled out after a little bit. But then, like, why didn't Fiesta ever... They had, like, we... You know, like the members became popular individually. So what was going on that the group didn't become popular? Just like terrible mismanagement. Their song choices were just terrible. It's so sad. Yeah, it's
0: always an issue. You know, when when a group is not catching on and then they change concept, the fans always say, oh, you know, you keep changing concepts. Of course, nobody's interested in this group. But if you keep doing the same thing and you're not popular, you're you're sort of in the same boat. Uh, I, I think they... They kind of hit that point pretty early. You know, they did – you mentioned Vista and We Don't Stop, which were consistent with their debut image. And then they had this uh, Shin Tiger song, I Don't Know. And I think this was around the time that they kind of rebranded themselves as, like, the fans' girlfriends. They had their own – they call it a reality show, but – Uh, And they had little segments on there where you're going on a date with them. I don't remember the details of it, but girl groups sometimes reach a point where they're not catching on and they they decide it's time to go sexy and we need to stir up some controversy. And I don't know. I think it's just a train wreck of that philosophy because, you, you know, they build it as a cute, sexy concept, but it's way too young and too innocent and too sexy, you know, at the same time. And the the song has a nursery rhyme theme, you know, the 10 little Indians hook. And the video is all about Jay, the visual, visual, is going on a date at this boy's apartment. I guess it's her boyfriend. And the song is about, you know, I'm having these feelings. I don't, what's going on? What should I do? You want me to, why are all our dates at night? And then there are these male voices in the back saying, oh, that's how it is with adults. And then she says it's getting late and these male voices are saying, Oh, you should stay later. You know. And the video is I guess I guess the guy is supposed to be like a stand-in for the fans, but he's this kind of dorky guy. He's got a bunch of like toys and comic book paraphernalia, which is fine. But she Jay comes in and she's looking at this stuff and he offers to take her sweater and then he he's like, Whoa, look at the body on that girl, you know, and all his <laughs> pictures that he has, the eyes are all leering over at Jay, and the Pinocchio nose grows out, you know, and it's like, What? Are you guys kidding me with this? And that's that's sort of how the whole video goes. You know, it ends up with him trying to put the moves on her and she literally bites him off. And I guess it's supposed to be kind of comedic, but you know, I think Yezzy may even have rapped about that later on in one of her songs about the shot of her that sort of zooms in on her chest when she's this character fighting in this video game that they're playing. It it was just a really odd video and, and, you know, kind of an uncomfortable, sexy concept.
1: I never thought of it as a a sexy concept, actually, until now. I just thought it was kind of a continuation of the cutesy type thing. But the way I I it was like, incredibly misguided cutesy stuff. Yeah. Because you listen to the song by itself. It's got the nursery rhyme stuff. It's totally just, like, innocent all over. And then, like, the lyrics, obviously, very suggestive. And the the video way past that, even. But it, it, it kind of marks an interesting point where they're leaving behind a debut and kind of, like, opening up of their sexuality, like, even in this, like, really not very interesting... Well, I guess it's interesting, but not very good way. <laughs> but from there on they would tackle sexuality more in ways that I would, would think are quite interesting.
0: And I wonder if it was a coincidence that that was Cheska's last comeback.
1: Yeah. Of like all members leaving groups, I feel like Cheska, sorry to say this as a fellow southerner to you, but she had very little impact on leaving. I think they, they moved on quite easily without her. You know, I, I actually sometimes forget that she was even in the group.
0: Yeah, it didn't kill the group. I, I I think she added a lot to the group. She was, oddly enough, the egg queen, which I don't think she was very especially comfortable with. But I think especially in the early songs, she was really good with the, you know, a lot of times the songs will have an English part that's real swaggy. You know, we, <laughs> we're something and you know it. You know, but Jessica had a way of saying those things that sound really super cheesy coming out of other people's mouths and she made it kind of fun and it didn't sound stupid and cheesy, you know. She she was good at that. But she was yeah, she was kind of a utility player. She was she wasn't at the top of anything, but she was mm-hmm. she could rap, dance, sing, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I don't disagree with you.
1: But actually, I actually really really like her on um their kind of one-off digital single with Eric Benet called Woo. And that's like a really great um, like Latin Latin guitar and like R&B vibes. Uh, it's actually one of the best songs. I only really discovered it recently. but uh, And she's probably at her best on that one, for sure.
0: So, you know, one thing about their career is you can almost go through every song. I, I guess we won't do it, but the, I think the next one was one more, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's That was even further into the sexy territory.
1: Yeah, that, that brings it into a whole new sort of realm, what a lot of groups haven't even gotten into. And it's also, along with You're pitiful, the kind of like exact middle of their career almost. Well, maybe a little bit later, but I think, and as a duo, those two are... One of the best kind of one-two combos in K-pop for me.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So from the coy naive little girls, and I don't know, they like Cheska leaves, and they go straight into this sexy concept. After seeing obviously EXID, AOA, and maybe another few girl groups hit the success with it, you know. Especially you know, coming after, I don't know. It, it feels a little bit more natural. And the song itself is really a, sort of disco y and, and, and sexy, but it's like a little bit fidgety. There's a lot of different elements like in the instrumental, the plucky, this like high pitch guitar. There's like DJ record scratches and little bits of brass. It becomes this sort of sexy, danceable, but also unsettling thing, and it sort of mirrors the girls, how irritated they are, and, and by their like kind of kind of boring sex life, and they become impatient with it, and it's, we've, people talked about how it's about wanting a threesome, with their kind of boyfriend, like they've always, they're going to become tired with sex, and they want to add one more as they repeat. It's sort of left up to your imagination, but it did get Censored because of its lyrics, so it's kind of a little bit of a confirmation there. But I think even more so than that is that it's really about emasculating the man that she's she's with, and the the video, which was directed by petty and this is one of their early signs that petty had this signature kind of fetishistic style, where there's lots of cropped kind of shots of thighs and lips and there's and they're looking through keyholes. And at first, it seems like it's just looking at the the girls' bodies which it does a lot in that sort of way he does. But more and more, there's like these shots of these boxers knocked out and they're kind of shot in this really dingy red lighting as they try to look tough as the girls kind of hold back their curses in between little bits of the song. And it culminates in this shot that DigiPetty have repeated it as well, but it's an eye looking through a, a hole as Jay sits on the bed and she sort of turns and looks at the hole and it goes back to the eye and it starts to like get worried and she like gazes right back at it as a way of saying, you know, this works both ways. I can see you, you can see me. And it's letting the man know that it's the sort of sexual relationship they have is a bit more push and pull than he might have imagined at first and that he isn't the totally dominant one.
0: It's funny. I noticed that theme in You're Pitiful, but I hadn't noticed it so much in One More.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you're pitiful is sort of when these girls don't have the solution of the threesome to their sexual problems. You know, they're irritated, but they start to feel pity for this ex-boyfriend of theirs. And it's a lot more melancholic. And, you know, there's acoustic guitars are full of emotion. while there's like also these empty synth sounds that are kind of like totally emotionless. And it's on, like they're counting down, waiting for the song to be over, like really get get over with this. And, you know, it has like a structure where it doesn't really change at all. It's pretty stagnant. But it's like sort of teeing that line between going back into those emotions, while trying not to pull, get pulled back into this sort of pitiful life that they used to lead. And as you said before, Lindsay is like a, on both of them a total star. Like she has this like amazing like belting voice that goes like so 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 powerful. But also she has these soulful elements to her that that works like just as well as maybe any K-pop idol top singer we've ever heard. I think.
0: I would have loved to have seen her in 21, I have to say.
1: No. I, I think... probably shouldn't
0: have who I'm a her for, but uh, <laughs> that could have been a, quite a vocal group.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she'd see them, though.
0: Yeah. So that takes us all the way up through 2015, 2016. And I think they came out with what I think was clearly their best album. A Delicate Sense was such a good album. And I, I don't remember exactly when Yezzy hit the big time, but I know it was before A Delicate Sense came out. Mm. she of course had her stint on unpretty rap star and i think uh, the impression i got is that it wasn't really part of the script for Yezi to uh to prevail but she she just yeah, killed
2: it on what that
1: crazy dog saw like right? she
2: wasn't yeah. the one that they were pinning this season on from what i've heard i haven't watched this season
1: yeah you, you could hear it in a delicate sense like they definitely kind of reacted to that each song is like you're waiting for Yezzy to come back, and like she's so good in it. each part. It, she doesn't stand out too much, but yeah, I, I've, I go back and listen to this album sometimes. Still, so it's one of my favorite mini albums, and it, it really feels like they're like really wrangling with how to best use this like top talent, and, and they did it so so well. You know, like Mirror the single is probably the worst song on the album, and it's not even bad. Yeah,
0: and then they ignominiously end the career with Apple Pie. Mm-hmm. Now that is just inexplicable to me. I mean, I guess they weren't they weren't having success, but they didn't have success with their cuter concepts before that.
1: Again, it feels sort of halfway between you know being sexy and being cute, and that usually doesn't bother me too much. But it just sounds confused, and you know the production is pretty banal, and like the presentation was awful. The outfits were terrible, like just a lot of things coming together
2: tell us how you really feel other than that though
1: it was good right yeah I mean it's not the worst thing but it's it was definitely disappointing especially since that that's their last song you know
0: One thing about this group is they definitely had a hard time figuring out who their star was. You know, I think they started out thinking that Jay was gonna be the star. You know, later on Yezi emerged. Uh Chao Lu got very I can't remember what made her so popular. Was it she just was on radio star, just like her personality, like her variety show appearances. Yeah. She's kind of I don't I'm not sure I would want her in my idol group, but she was she is she is funny. She's got a crazy personality. <laughs> but she had something about ta- being able to speak backwards. She could say things backward just as fast as she could
1: say them forward, something like that. That's talented. I, mean, I would have her in my group then. Yeah. <laughs> she could sing backwards. That would be that would be really impressive.
0: Well, you guys, uh, tell me what you think about this. This is something that's occurred to me. And one reason that Chow Lu may have a little bit of an advantage on variety shows, you know, she's been – uh, a guest, and I think even a host, or at least a regular, on several shows. And I have a theory that foreigners get a little more leeway. They can say crazier, more shocking things, and it's entertaining. But at the same time, they can get away with it a little bit because they're not
2: Korean. A hundred percent. Yeah. Also, like she, she's been around for years. Like she's in her, I think she's thirty, yeah. and or in her, she's definitely around there. And I was looking at their, um, their Wikipedia page and she was around in China since 2004. Like she has not had a short career.
0: Uh, I mean, she was really young in in, in 2004, but still that's still mm. a long time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't think I can really think of, like you said, like a member who does so little in the music, but has like maybe the biggest range outside of the music. You know, when I think about her best moment, Musically, it's literally just, uh, it's towards the end of Vista, and she just has this great gaze uh, in the music video. And that's, like, I think back as, like, her biggest contribution to their music. But then I've, I've enjoyed her immensely on shows, and I remember their uh, learning languages at Fiesta, their little YouTube show. Yeah. And I always watched just to hear her speak Chinese. It was my, one of my favorite things of the week.
0: Well, you know, that's one thing when a, when a group disbands – it's natural, and I've seen a lot of it online to blame the company. Say they didn't promote them enough, and I've seen people say, you know, when when Yezi got popular, they didn't promote, they didn't take advantage of that. When Lu got popular, they didn't take advantage of that. But I really think if you look back, they did so much promotion. I mean, they had their own, they had their own show on SBS. They they were in all kinds of variety shows and and things. And, and they, I mean, of course, they started out with the IU promotion. I really don't think you can fault Loen on the amount of, you know, money and effort they put into promoting them. Certainly maybe the artistic choices. I mean, I think the
2: artistic choices were the big big problem. I like think about this a lot about why Loen groups fail. Like they have the connections, they have the money, so what's Yeah. Obviously, like, I I never think that the songs that they put out from lone groups are bad songs. I think that they're, like, weird, maybe all going together because they're switching, like, sounds too often or something. Is Lowen not putting enough effort into promoting their own groups because, because they do have this other side of the business where they need to kind of be fair to everyone? So if they showed any sort of favoritism to their own groups, like, it'd be problematic. But, like, it's not like they, like you said, like, they had shows and stuff. I think it really comes down to the, the music choices that they're getting aren't the right ones. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I don't know. One's a mistake and like two's an accident. But by the time you get to three groups that fail, like you're, you're a trend. Like there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd have to say, I, I can't, even as a Fiesta
0: fan, I can't really say what makes Fiesta special. Like what, what, I can, you know, I can say something good about each member and so on, but what is it about Fiesta that makes them special? makes them stand out
1: well I, i've always thought as that sort of tackling of sexuality for me is is something maybe you have to read into it a bit but it
2: mm-hmm.
1: felt it felt like natural and mature compared to a lot of other groups and that's what i'll always remember them for
0: yeah i think you're right those were definitely their high point i, I liked their early songs but uh their later you know you're pitiful and the delicate sense album i think were their mm-hmm. best mm-hmm. and one more too All right, well, do you guys want to move on to our picks? Let's do it. So every episode, well, not every episode, actually, but often (laughs) on an episode, we each pick a song that we've been thinking about or that we especially like, and we call it our K-pop unmuted picks. Tamar, do you want to get us started?
2: Sure. So I'll start off with Kim Sung yus Shine. This is actually a pretty old song. For people who don't know, Sung yu is the lead singer of Infinite and he just enlisted, like, ridiculously suddenly. Like, he mentioned it at a concert he was hosting, and then he went, like, two days later, and he released a special version, a live concert version of his song, Shine. I don't know if you guys are a fan of his Another Me album. Um, I think that Yu's albums are all really, really good, but his best ones were, I mean, I think 27 was better than Another Me, but Another Me is kind of considered his his best album and Shine was from this album. They re-released it with uh, a bit more of a a rock vibe for the concert version, which which makes sense. And it's one of the songs that he wrote with Nels Kim Jong-un, who's like the person that led Seungyu to K-pop. So it was very nice, like fitting, like farewell to fans all, all of a sudden. I don't really have that much to say about it except that I really liked the the new version of the song, and it was a nice a nice surprise. It was interesting choice to double back onto a much older song. Like I think that EP came out in 2013. And like he just released an album in February, so I was expecting his farewell track to just you know be one of the new songs. So I think it was it was a nice touch like you know like going out on like a shining bright moment. Yeah,
0: I saw some confusion online about it, whether it was even the same song, but it's just, it's a different version of the original song. Yeah, they,
2: they, I mean, they didn't change that much. It sounds more like what I would expect from him now than I did on that album, but it it just seems they just changed the instrumentals a little bit. Mm
1: -hmm. He looks really bad bald.
2: Yeah, he, everyone's (laughs) criticizing him, just like, whatever, he's in the army. Um, I just think it's very, uh, stupid. For, I'm, I'm just going to say, it, I think it's r- ridiculously stupid how um, Internet's career has been managed over the past few years, and especially since they renewed their contract. Like, the fact that they must have known he was going to the Army, and the fact that they didn't have another comeback beforehand or something after signing their contract renewal. Like, whose decision was that? Oh, I'm just stupid. Yeah, That's all I have to say. <laughs> Good song, stupid circumstances. <laughs>
0: Well, the song I want to talk about is, Tamar and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. I keep wanting to call them G-idle, but I think they're. it's idol. It's just idle. And there's mm-hmm. some kind of double and triple entendres and all kinds of meaning behind their name. You know, it's G in parentheses, I dash D-L-E, but I'm just going to call them idle. Their song la ta they're a new girl group from Cube, which of course immediately Gives me mixed feelings because I'm a big CLC fan and I want all of Cube's resources, even to the exclusion of hyana and Pentagon, to go to CLC. Uh, but it looks like that's not going to happen because they, they've been they've been doing pretty well. So a couple of things about this song that really struck me. One is this is another example of how elements of a song that I wouldn't necessarily vote for, like if you put it on a whiteboard, I would not be in favor of, can still you can still have a good song. Like I, a few years ago when reggae was just a total scourge of the K-pop scene. But then Wonder Girls put out a great reggae song, right? So this song follows a couple of trends that I'm not a big fan of, which is, of course, the tropical sound. And then it also has a big electronic instrumental drop, which I don't know if it's technically the chorus. They do kind of have another chorus, but maybe it's part of the chorus. But it, it really works. It's a, it's a really good song. The other thing that struck me about it is there are some real stars in this group. I mean, there's obviously Young who was on uh, the first season of Produce 101 and Unpretty Rap Star, and she released a couple of solos, including Jelly. She is, you know, you could tell from her first her first performance in Produce 101 that you know she had what it takes to be a star. But some of the vocals from this group are amazing. You have uh, they have a Thai member named Minnie who has this. I don't even know how to describe her voice when she comes in. It's it almost sounds like it's filtered or something. It's like a soft, raspy sort of amber to it, and it's just beautiful. And she's followed up by, I want to call her Yuki, because that's what the romanization looks like, but I think it's might be Ugi, but the Chinese member.
2: Who has a, sort of a
0: deeper resonant voice and you know there's this little person with this big voice and she she really has a lot of charisma so i was impressed by this song it's not the best song on the album i think that what's in your house is my favorite song off the album but i'm really impressed with this group and i, I hope that i hope that they lift all boats at cube and do not eclipse
1: clc Yeah, I definitely agree on Minnie. Minnie, she's, yeah, by far the highlight. You know, I, like, I sat up as soon as I heard it. Right? Yeah, like, t- so, so interesting. Such, like, a great choice to make this sort of pretty low-key verse and, like, just give it some sort of life. Apart from that, yeah, it's it's a fine track. I think, yeah, I think it was all down to the members themselves making it more interesting than it really deserves to be, you know? And I think that's into so yeah, again, who's in all her little parts and ad libs really give it a bit more life. than than it really could have, you know, it, it could have been something so dull. But they're doing well.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It's the members that really make the song.
1: Yeah. So it, yeah, it gives me hope for them.
2: Was anyone else reminded of FX's debut song with uh, La Chata? Like, am I the only one who keeps on thinking that every single time someone t- talks about this song, I <laughs> sing that? and that was
1: because <laughs> of the title
2: yeah but this is a much better debut song and,
1: so i will finish this off with my favorite track of the last few weeks which is also by favorite and um, they spelled it wrong. They left out to you, though, um, their second single called Where Are You From. I love this because it's just a classic E1 production. Uh, E1, he worked a lot with Cosmic Girls on their secret album on secret, Bebe Prince, and a lot of other great recent stuff. And it's, it's very kind of signature. There's st- his style, which is like bright, really detailed synth pop. You know, it has so many layers and so many different kind of instruments and ideas going on, but they all sound so clear and distinct without feeling totally separate you know there's this like rambling bass a sort of cowbell sound there's like synths and there's guitars and it's it's a little more grounded compared to kind of cosmic girls you know cosmic sound but it's really, really simple it's effective the production here always does this great thing with the vocals which i love Whereas the kind of belts at the end, it sounds like the girls are almost like screaming, but they have some sort of filter on it, so they sound like a little bit like alien esque. It's hard to kind of explain, but when you hear it a couple times in different songs, especially in like, listen to like Bebe and Prince by Cosmic Girls, and then this, and uh, you kind of very clearly hear this distinct signature sound of theirs. I think, it, it, like in comparison to Idol, it's the thing that lets it down is the girls favorite themselves. They have no real distinct qualities, you know, on stage or with their voices, but have like really, really effectively pushed out this great song. And I'm gonna watch them from now on.
0: Well, I really like the chorus in this song. The uh, the theme is a little tired of you know, please notice me kind of thing. Uh, but were you a, were you a fan of them from their debut, Joe? Uh,
1: I had listened. A couple of times, and I kind of like it, but just because it has a, a lot of different ideas going on. But, but this one is, is a big step up, I, I would say.
2: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Cult Scene's K-pop Unmuted. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at Cult Scene and at K-pop Unmuted, and please leave us a review on whatever podcast site you're listening to us on. And uh, thanks so much for joining us. We hope to have you listening again next time.